Okay. Shall we try to go through this? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'm ready. Let's just go through it. Hi, friends, and welcome to episode 100 of the Assyrian Podcast. This is Steve. And I'm Odessa. Another 50 stories have been shared, and it was time for a recap, but this time we wanted you to hear from the entire team. The podcast is not run by just one person. It's a group of Assyrians who are lighthearted, intelligent, passionate, and fun to be around. It's incredible to see how the podcast has grown, evolved, and yet kept its distinctive Assyrian podcast flavor. We love to bring you stories from a variety of backgrounds, cultures, and perspectives. And this would not be possible without every person who's involved with the podcast. And if you've been with us, you understand what I mean. You never know what to expect on the next episode of the Assyrian podcast. We like to say that the next episode is the best episode. Magicians, artists, professors, entrepreneurs, and dudes who survived in the outdoors by themselves for months. The podcast speaks to so many, and there are two people in the background who are making sure it is heard. Our wonderful social media and marketing teams, Stephen and Tanya, play a pivotal role in creating the weekly posts, advertising, and Instagram stories, and thinking about how to connect with you, the listeners. You'll actually get to hear from them in this episode. No matter when you started listening to the Assyrian podcast episodes, whether it was episode one or 99, we're grateful for you being a part of the Assyrian podcast family. We're living in a time when people can use some refreshment and we feel honored to provide that. We have so much fun with this and you'll see what I mean in today's episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk Assyrian podcasts and reminisce on the last 50 episodes with the podcast team. We do want to note Cynthia, our Melbourne host, wasn't able to join us. She is expecting to give birth soon, and we wish her the absolute best in her next chapter as a mama. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian podcast is brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the injury lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone who's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847-982-9516. And now here is the Assyrian Podcast team. It's so good to be with all of you. I love working with all of you. I'm so glad for this discipline to be in my life of being a part of this project. It's such a massive blessing. And I've been reflecting on that. Sometimes it's a lot of work, but then I'm very thankful to be able to do the work. Keeps me out of trouble, keeps me invested in something healthy and good. Hey everyone, it's Adessa coming at you live from Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. I am one of the hosts of the Assyrian Podcast, and I started in February of 2018. Hello, Assyrian Podcast family. It's John in Chicago. I've been a host with the Assyrian Podcast since July of 2018. Hey, everyone. It's Jesse. I am from Frankfurt, Germany. I am a host since 2019. 
Hey everybody, it's Ninorta. I am from Phoenix, Arizona. I've been a co-host since September of 2018. Shalom Hey everyone, this is Peter Ibrahim coming to you live from Modesto, California. I am a co-host with you all and I started in March of 2019. Hey everyone, this is Rhoda and I am coming to you from Detroit, Michigan and I've been with the podcast since May of 2018. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I am coming to you from San Francisco and I helped start the podcast back in 2017 and it's been a blast. Hey everyone, this is Steven from Turlock, California. I do the social media marketing and I started in March of 2018. Hey everyone, this is Tanya. You don't normally hear from me because I am part of the social media team. I am located in San Jose, California and I joined the podcast in August of 2018. All right, good to hear from everyone. And we're so excited to kick off our 100th episode of the Assyrian podcast. One of the questions we wanted to hear from everyone on the team is what was your motivation for joining the podcast? I wanna tee it off with our host from Chicago, John Genza. Steve, that's a excellent question. And it's something I think about often, but it really comes down to I really believe it's important to give a platform to Assyrians to share their story, uh, no matter who they are. Sometimes I feel like we as Assyrians really get bogged down in this sort of negative stereotype of being Assyrian. And the stories that are shared via the podcast not only defy some of these defeatist stereotypes, but if anything, they actually help create positive ones. And I'm really happy about that. And I think amongst the people affected by generational trauma of genocide and persecution that changing the narrative from we never will or we shouldn't to we absolutely can is very important and sharing these stories helps with that. I was listening to the podcast during a time where I traveled the world and met a lot of great people along the way so I thought it would be a cool idea and almost a duty to join the podcast and bring those people on it. I think I also agree with what John said and also what Jesse said. I joined the podcast right after I had gone to Gishru and visited the homeland and met so many people. And there were so many stories that were shared to me while I was there. And when I start, when I heard the podcast, I was like, oh my God, this is really cool. And one thing that really resonates with me is bringing those stories to light, finding those treasures and sharing them within our community. And I always think 10 years, 20 years from now, down the road, we can look somebody up and find their story on the Assyrian podcast, which is something really, really cool. I would say that it came from a suggestion of many friends who along the way said that you would be a good fit. And they said things along the lines of adding a narrative to the Assyrian podcast, the connection that I have with folks. You know, if you may or may not know, I love to find the hidden gems within our community or those that do work for our community. And there were a number of guests that I wanted to showcase to add value to the podcast. So I had started listening to the podcast from the beginning. And at the time, I had recently moved to Michigan. And I was connected to the Assyrian community here through my husband and the church. And as someone who lived most of her life in California, when I thought about Assyrians in the States, I thought of Assyrians in Chicago and Assyrians in California. But having lived in Michigan for a few months, I started to realize there were there was this pocket of Assyrians here whose stories could be shared with Assyrians worldwide. So I wanted to 
joined to give the Assyrians who live in Michigan a place to share their stories. And it ultimately ended up being more than that as I got to travel and interview people in California and even in Australia. But Michigan is how it all got started. So I actually joined um, onto the Syrian podcast pretty early. I had actually seen Steve at the Syrian American Civic Club recording an interview, and he told me that he's starting this new podcast for Syrians. And I saw the potential of where this could go and, you know, offer a new platform for all the different Syrians around the world. So I had experience in marketing and media, and I reached out to Steve to see how I can help. And that's how I joined the Syrian podcast. And that was my motivation. First and foremost, it has always been a goal of mine to bring awareness to the Assyrian culture and ethnicity. Obviously, we don't have a country, so I think that the, our culture and ethnicity is within the people. So I am immensely thankful for all the hosts for bringing these stories. And of course, you know, I, I decided to join because I wanted to have a creative outlet. And as much as I like to post on the Assyrian podcast, I figured that's the best way to get it out. Yeah, so the podcast space was an untapped outlet for Assyrian expression. There were people I knew whose stories needed to be told because I knew they would offer something that other Assyrians would be able to resonate with, connect with, be inspired by. And if none of those, at least they now knew another Assyrian a little bit better. I also appreciate that since its inception, it was a platform where we could explore topics that were important to us and that we could ask some tough questions or not, but both were possible. And what I love about podcast too is that your attention as a listener is solely on what the person has to say. Like for that half hour, hour, you have our undivided attention. And as the interviewer or interviewee, we can just focus on telling the story and guiding the story. When I think about the Assyrian podcast, I always wanted to be a place where we weren't force feeding people with like, you should be proud to be Assyrian. It was just a place to showcase stories, um, a place to share uh, the amazing things that your, your, you know, well-known or not so well-known Assyrian is doing in the world. Um, so my, my main motivation was I wanted to create a place that would inspire and encourage and challenge Assyrians naturally and organically without sort of force feeding, hey, you should do this or you should do that. It's more like, look at this really cool thing that's going on. Now, with that being said, I did want to ask um, some folks questions. John, you mentioned that you wanted to change the narrative and provide a different perspective. Do you feel we've made progress you know, over these 100 or 99 episodes, have we been able to change the narrative for people about who they are as Assyrians? I would say definitely. There are a lot of inspirational stories that have been told over the last 99 episodes prior to this. And I think that'll just continue. And I think people look to those stories and think to themselves, wow, I never knew about this person, what they've accomplished and the life that they've lived. And, you know, they may have been living in a negative bubble but that bubble has now been completely burst by these positive stories. Awesome. And Tanya, you mentioned the lack of a homeland. And what do you think this podcast has done for Assyrians both in and out of the homeland? Um, I think it's definitely a way that it has created connections among Assyrians. When we hear these stories, we are able to relate to Assyrians from all over the world. Thankfully, we have hosts all over. And so we're able to really 
find the similarities among our people, especially for those people who already feel like they're so different and may, to a certain extent, be like ostracized from the community. But this is a way to really bring people back in. Awesome. Thanks for that. And last question uh, for Stephen Lelham. Stephen, you said that you saw a lot of potential in a podcast for Syrians. What What do you mean by that? What was the potential? I mean, it was a new platform. Um, um, obviously, we have the Syrian uh, organizations that have the TV channels and radio. But uh, at the time, I didn't know of any other Syrian podcasts, and I still don't think there are any. And so that's kind of where I, I thought we can see us grow. And it's something that it can be done remotely. We don't need to be at a at one geographical geographical location. And, you know, just how we are right now, we have co-hosts all around the world, pretty much Australia, Germany, Canada, here in the U.S. Um, so that's the potential that I saw. And it's actually growing. I don't know about you all, but when I was going back and just reviewing all of the interviews that we've done since episode 50, I was amazed by just the diversity in our stories that we've been able to bring on the podcast. Um, of the last 50 episodes, what is one that really stuck with you and why? Thank you, Adessa, for the question. I really don't like this question because each episode is giving us so much. But for now, I'm going to decide on episode 59, which was I did Chochega. I have so much respect for her. She dealt with a big amount of pain and trauma. And it is, I did is such a strong and fierce woman. And the fact she takes this pain and transforms it into her strength to help others it's just so empowering. We need more people like her in our community. We need to discuss trauma and mental health in general, especially because it's still uh, such a taboo topic. I definitely agree with Jesse. I think all of the episodes were am were pretty amazing. I think one of the ones that stood out to me the most was episode 84 with uh, with Rosie Malikyonan. She wrote the book, The Crimson Field, and I had read her book several years back, and I always wanted to learn more about her and her story and her family. And listening to that episode definitely allowed me to do that. And one thing that resonated with me with what she said is that everything she does, she incorporates the Assyrian name and allows that name to get out there so more people know who Assyrians are and what we do and where we come from. I would have to say Wilfred Bet Alchas the man behind Zinda magazine. And I can't begin to tell you how many hours I've spent reading Zinda during the early heyday years. I want to say 1998, 1999, being connected to the internet and the shout out to my gateway PC tower. At that time, I wanted to access anything that was related to Assyrians. And so to this day, I still get lost in the internet weeds and stumble upon Zinda articles. But this concept of think Assyrian, old Assyrian versus new Assyrianism, where new Assyrianism, your identity as is today, rooted in what you think of yourself. And I love the quote that he offers, wherever an Assyrian goes, darkness disappears. Yeah, this was diff more difficult to do than I thought it would be because there were so many good episodes. But if I had to choose one, I would say Ruth Camber. Um, I love books and I love stories and anything about literature I'm a big fan of. And I think the reason why I love stories and what stuck out with me about her episode 
is that her interview reminded me that our individual stories are not solely our own, um, that our stories are connected like patchwork to create an even bigger narrative of our community and people. The work she's done and is still doing to fit those stories together is amazing. And I think it's further proof that we are at our best when we're able to share our stories because by sharing our stories, we learn more about each other and ourselves. And I think this is what I think of the podcast. Um, my grandma used to make quilts and she would use leftover fabrics from what she had used to sew a dress for someone and a skirt for someone else to make the quilts. And when I think about the podcast and I think about all of these stories and Ruth's work, I think about how each story is connected to each other to create this quilt that allows us to draw warmth from when we most need it in our lives. Thanks for that, Rhoda. Uh, I am glad no one took mine. Um, yeah, it was a hard choice, but for me, the one that I feel like represents the Assyrian podcast and its nature and its uniqueness is episode 80 with Jordan Jonas. I wanna just read the description real quick. Jordan Jonas is the winner of the History Channel's Alone in the Arctic, season six. Jordan grew up on a farm in Idaho and spent his 20s living a nomadic life with the Evenski in Siberia herding reindeer. His skills of hunting, trapping, fishing, and his Assyrian family's background allowed him to survive 77 days in the Arctic. In this episode, you'll hear how Jordan killed a moose, battled a wolverine, and now lives to tell about his Arctic adventure. When we started the Assyrian podcast, I think the last thing we thought was we'd find someone who grew up in Idaho and was in Siberia and on the History Channel. So, and the story behind how Ninorta got a hold of him and drove four hours, eight hours round trip and all the work that Ninorta did to make that episode happen. That one is the one that stands out to me of the last 50. Um, I'm going to have to piggyback off of uh, Steve's favorite episode too. Mine is episode 80, Jordan Jonas. And it just made me realize how many Assyrians are out there that I have never even heard of. And it's just great to, you know, hear the stories. And I hope that more people like this get nominated to be interviewed for the podcast. Um, so if you guys know anyone out there that that does interesting stuff like Jordan Jonas, nominate them on AssyrianPodcast.com. That's awesome. Jordan was definitely a character, but I have been a fan since episode one, and I've been an active listener since episode one. But if I had to choose one episode that I really, really enjoyed in the last 50, I would have to choose Dr. Lincoln Malik, episode 88. I absolutely love hearing from the elders in our community, number one, because we don't know how much longer we have with them. Number two, I absolutely really loved his energy and just the fact that he moved to the States at such an early age and that we were that I was able to connect with some of the stories that he had, whether it be college or fraternities. Um, it's so rare to hear this from elders in the Assyrian community. So I thought it was just such a such a great episode to listen to, both from the history of the United States as well as his work that he's done with the Assyrian community as well. I knew it was going to be impossible to be the only person uh, to pick episode 88 when Peter sat down with Lincoln Malik, uh, but that's also my choice as well uh, of the last 50 episodes, at least. I've always had this massive gap in my knowledge of the 
I want to call it the state of affairs of the diaspora Assyrians in the middle part of the 20th century. Uh, I'd always heard about Assyrians in the 80s until the modern day and the Assyrians uprooted in the early 20th century. Uh, but nothing really taught me more about Assyrians uh, on American college campuses, no less, in the middle part of the decade than that interview did. Uh, it was a real eye-opener on not only how much Assyrians love and care about their nation, uh, but also how that love and care never really fades with time and distance. So that's my choice, episode 88. Man, Tanya and John, uh, I have to agree with you. Episode 88 for me too. Uh, similar to Tanya, I have a bias with older Assyrians that we have on the podcast because they have so many more years than us on this earth. And so their stories and their lessons are many. I don't know that many elderly Assyrians that grew up in the West who are still alive. So I found it fascinating that he started his young adult life here and went to some of the most prestigious schools in the U.S., Stanford and UC Berkeley. And I also appreciate that he had a foot in both the Assyrian community and out. And I think that's a healthy balance, in my opinion. Um, and that we were able to draw inspiration from his experiences being uh, that sorry that he was able to draw inspiration from his experiences being involved in many groups. I also like seeing examples of Assyrians who are smart, who are accomplished, and have contributed to the betterment of Assyrians. So we definitely need more stories like that. So listening to you guys talk about Lincoln Malik and Jordan Jonas, I think showcases one of the things I so appreciate about the Assyrian podcast because one of them is super involved in Assyrian stuff and one of them not at all. And the Assyrian podcast is a place where your story doesn't only matter if you've done something for Assyrians, that your story is worth telling just on its own merit. And I love that. I love that we get to share all of these stories about different kinds of Assyrians um, and I think listening to you guys talk about those two uh, interviews in particular just showcases that even more. I want to mention the Samir Bahi episode that we just did. One of the reasons why that's also my favorite of the last 50 is because that was the first time we just set up a mic for other people and then let them talk, which I think is is a birthing of a new way of doing the podcast. Um, as a host, we'll be able to actually host other people to do episodes along with the ones that we do. So that was another one that was a first for us and I really appreciated. So everyone, how has the Assyrian podcast impacted your view of yourself as an Assyrian? Well, it made me realize that we are so freaking cool. I mean, <laughs> I already knew that. I already knew that we were cool, but this just made me realize we are even more awesome. I mean, we've overcome so much, um, through generations and generations, um, like John had said, um, trauma and genocide, and yet we still strive for the best in everything that we do. Um, we each have a story to share of how we got here, and each and every one of those stories is worth listening to. It opened up my view of how diverse we are as a community, and that's what I love. Real talk, guys. Most Assyrians my age that I interact with think that I was born in Iraq. People I met in Iraq on Gishru thought I was an anomaly. They never said it verbatim, but you could tell on their faces sometimes it was like, how can someone from the West be so Assyrian? And I get what they mean. What's an Assyrian, though? And I go back to Wilfred's quote again. New Assyrianism is your identity, as is today, rooted in what you think of yourself. 
The true impact is that there are Assyrians from all walks of life, and I love that. To me, the connection that I create with Assyrians is impactful. So I think being a part of the Assyrian podcast has made me feel more secure in my Assyrianism. It's always been a piece of my identity that I've been proud of, but it's also been complicated. I'm an Assyrian who was born in Iran to parents whose grandparents left Turkey during the genocide and now I've lived more than half of my life in the States. Home has always been a very complicated word, but I think being a part of the Assyrian podcast has helped me embrace those complexities and wrestle with those challenges. A lot of the stories have reminded me that I'm not alone in that struggle and that that's perfectly okay. Yeah, I think for me, um, the biggest impact is I've seen in our community that people are aching for way more than the traditional Assyrian outlets, the traditional Assyrian messages. Um, we have focused on getting rid of victimhood and and empowering people. And so when I look through the episodes and the lists, I'm like, yes, this is good stuff here. These are good people. They've done amazing things. Uh, there's a lot to be proud of without it being force fed. So um, that's the biggest impact it's had on me is it's awakened me to the fact that there's so many people like us in the Assyrian community who want more. Uh, they want a broader understanding of their own identity that is actually going to help them live their life. So that's all I'm going to say about that for now. <laughs> My answer is going to be a little bit more technical, and it's um, about how fast this thing actually grew. I mean, I remember when Steve sent us a screenshot saying, hey, look, we have 500 downloads. And then a couple months later, it was 1,000 downloads. And then we're like over, we have over 2,000 followers on Instagram, and it's just growing at such a tremendous speed. And I I really never thought like we would get this big, and it's actually happening the numbers are there and it's it's great and that's one thing that really surprised me hey everyone this is tanya so i was born in iran and moved to the states when i was about two years old so growing up in an assyrian household that was both very traditional but also needing to assimilate to american or californian culture uh, there was also there was also, there was always this divide of who am I? Am I Assyrian? Am I Middle Eastern? Am I American? And I think being involved with the Assyrian podcast and having this really being on this journey with all of these like-minded individuals and young people, which is very different from the traditional Assyrian organization, it really just makes me feel like I'm part of a group that I could relate to. Um, I think this all comes back to the statements that I've made as far as building a community and having similarities and being able to relate to others. And that's truly what this has done for me is have this community of friends that, you know, we're all very similar and we can relate to one another. With every new episode, I am reinvigorated as an Assyrian. Like we don't give enough credit to ourselves of how amazing and multifaceted we are as a people and how despite everything that has happened to us in our history, 
with so many chances for us to be completely erased through genocide or assimilation, we've been like roses that grow from the concrete or the vines that you find somehow growing on buildings. Like we find ways to survive and thrive no matter what. So each episode, I am reminded of our collective greatness, which instills confidence in me as an Assyrian. And I walk through this world reminded of that. That's my response is sort of similar to that. So I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit. Uh, like many others who I've talked to privately, not so much uh, in this group uh, with the podcast, uh, but at one time I was sort of trapped in this complex of, you know, what even is Assyrian? What is being Assyrian ever done for me? Uh, nobody knows Assyrian or Assyrian. I don't feel like explaining what it is every time. Right? That's how I was once upon a time. But fortunately, that started to change probably, I want to say as recently as six or seven years ago. And what the podcast has done uh, throughout all of the wonderful guests that we've had is reinforce my admiration for Assyrians and really just their existence in spite of the many efforts from ancient times to modern times to diminish or outright destroy that. So growing up in Germany, and especially in my regional community, I didn't have enough Assyrian role models to look up to and to find inspiration. Like, let's be honest, we it's either politics or religion. I was constantly battling disappointment and anger. So the podcast with all those amazing guests we had so far helped me to look at my community in a different and positive way. And each episode gives me so much hope. I'm now fascinate, fascinated by my people more and more. Who do you still have on your bucket list that you'd love to interview? I think this goes back to why I joined the Assyrian podcast to begin with, and that's to help tell the stories of Assyrians in Michigan. There is a man here named Saab, um, and one of the ways people know him is that his basement is an Assyrian museum. And he will open it up for people to go visit. And he's happy to tell stories of his family. But he also has a very interesting personal story of struggles and triumphs. And I really cannot wait for the day I get to talk to him so that our listeners get to know him. I would love somehow to interview Terrence Malick, the movie director. We might have an in with him, but that would be amazing. And then... Uh, so I'd love to get some comedians on the Assyrian podcast. Crystal Marie is one. I believe she's from Michigan. And then Vincent Oshana, who agreed to be on the podcast. We just have not had a chance to interview him. Awesome. Yeah, for me, it's easier for me to resort to people in California since I'm more familiar with the communities there. But I'm challenging myself to keep the remainder of this year's interviews in Canada. Uh, with that said, a bucket list interview I would love to do is one that actually Anki Nissen suggested, and that is Margaret Beach. She is in her 80s, 90s, and is one of the first Assyrian settlers in Canada who settled and lives in North Battlefield in Saskatchewan in Canada. Uh, so that is one story that I think needs to be told and preserved. So I'm hoping to make that happen. These all sound fantastic, and I, I hate to be that guy myself, but um, I don't like to tell people who I have on my list, <laughs> but I can give you some keywords. Uh, food, Chicago history, entrepreneurship, and art. And it's, it's a long list of people. Definitely Sumer Home from Kenya. She is a humanitarian activist, and she helps street children in Kenya to get home 
to get a home education and overcome the traumas. She's also the daughter of the late singer George Homey. And other than that, I would just love to have more Western Assyrians on the podcast because I think we can still learn so much from each other. Um, there's so many people that I would love to interview. Uh, my job requires me to travel a lot. So that's where I've kind of picked up most people um, by meeting them. But locally in Arizona, um, I met with um, comedian Jimmy Khnanishu. I don't know if you all are familiar with him, but back in the, I want to say, 90s, the play Betan Khata, Jimmy played the older brother Ninos, who is also an Ahmed Khamiani. Um, I think having a conversation with him about comedy and performing comedic routines in Iraq during the Ba'ath regime, uh, being Assyrian, I think that's a really cool story. So hopefully we get to sit down with him um, in 2020. So the, the guest that's on my bucket list, and it's in the works, so hey guys, it's John again. And um, the next question actually goes to two people who we don't get to hear from very often. So I'm, I'm very happy that they're in this episode 100 with us. And that's Stephen and Tanya. Uh, our big part of our outreach and just our presence online uh, wouldn't be anywhere near what it is without them. Uh, a lot of the cool posts that you see on social media that's all them. A lot of the marketing is done, or all of the marketing, I should say, is done through them. So I'm really happy to have them be part of this conversation. And one particular question I have for them specifically is who is someone you want to see on the podcast? I don't have a specific person. Um, I know Odessa mentioned this earlier, but I really enjoy listening to the older Syrians and hearing their stories. I, I think those are great things to, you know, have documented and you know, it's just a great addition to to all the other interviews that we're doing. I just really like hearing their stories and, you know, whether it's them coming to America or or whatever it is, um, th those just really stick out to me. And I really enjoy listening to those ones. Hey, everyone, it's Tanya. So one person that I would really, really love to see on the podcast is Narcy David, who is actually located in the Bay Area. So I had a chance to see him speak at Stanford University about kind of his life and his upbringing, as well as his involvement in the restaurant business and radio business. He is just one of those personalities that has had a part in so much, both Bay Area and the Assyrian community. So I think he is, he has one of those stories that everybody should, should know about. I don't know about the rest of you, but this just makes me so excited for all the interviews that are in the pipeline and what's to come. We talked a little bit about what our motivation to join was, but I'm also curious what has surprised everyone the most working on the podcast. This is Steve. And for me, the thing that uh, has really stood out is how some stories catch fire and then and everyone is into it. And then other stories, they have this very unique and refined uh, community of people who are who are following those things. So there's just so much diversity of thought and perspective in the Assyrian community. It's pretty awesome just to get the entire Assyrian community. That's what surprised me about the Assyrian podcast is its reach is far. So that's really cool. 
something that has really surprised me about the Assyrian podcast is being able to reach out to people almost all over the world through all the hosts that we have. And this is a volunteer opportunity. So the fact that all these people are putting in the work on their own time without being paid to go interview people, sometimes drive as long as eight hours round trip, do all the editing, and then bring these stories for us to listen to. So I am, again, really, really thankful for all the hosts. And I think it is an opportunity that should not be missed if anybody else is willing to help out. Yeah, I agree with Tanya. I would say it's definitely the people it's reached. The podcast, if we look at the stats, the podcast has listeners in over 100 countries, ranging from Egypt to Spain to Ukraine to Mexico. So it's truly amazing to see that uh, just how expansive this has been. There aren't really any true surprises for me. I'm very impressed with what we've done. Uh, But for the most part, I think we filled a void that a lot of people were looking for uh, in sharing these stories. So I'll just take this time to say that uh, I'm very grateful to work with such a selfless, supportive, hardworking and intelligent group of people. Uh, A lot of people think that this is super easy to do. And the reality is that there are a lot of challenges that come along with podcasting. And we persevere through all those challenges, not with monetary gain or ego boost in mind, Uh, but to kind of help share stories on a large, easily accessible platform. And also a huge thank you to everybody who has listened and subscribed. Uh, It doesn't surprise me at all because when it comes time to unite, uh, we're very good at that. So really no surprises for me. I am surprised about the amount of ums and you know that we're able to say in one interview, it's a lot. But on a serious note, I underestimated totally the work behind the scenes. Um, I can agree with John. There's so so much work in it that we put in. There's a lot of things that can go wrong in terms of sound and how the guest responds or drags the story. But most of the things that go wrong, we are getting rid of in the editing. So listeners, it isn't so easy as it sounds. So I want to give kudos to all our co-hosts right now. Woo! I think my fellow co-hosts said it better. And the one word that stood out to me the most is worldwide. This is a worldwide effort. We are we not only have co-hosts worldwide, we are also trying to reach Assyrians worldwide. Um, and personally, being able to work on a team with so many, um, so many people and each and every single one of us makes the time and effort to get on calls with one another or help one another with editing, ideas, regardless of what time zones we're on, regardless of what other obligations we have, we are all committed to this project 110%. And one other thing that I also noticed that surprised me the most is that whoever I contact and ask them, hey, would you like to be a a guest on the Assyrian podcast? They are so welcoming and so hospitable. Um, I think it's just that that's part of being Assyrian, just the hospitality shown to not just me, but I think all of the other co-hosts as well. from our people is unimaginable. And this is going to echo my colleagues' responses, but, you know, the amount of time that I, that we all put into the, to the interviews from sourcing the interviewee, research, crafting questions, crowdsourcing questions, asking friends, their thoughts, interviewing, editing, editing. Did I mention editing, listening, and even more editing, but I love it. 
and I love what I do and I love reaching out to everyone and sharing the stories. Yeah, I think these are all really great points. Uh, and I think the one thing I would add to this is that what has surprised me is people's willingness to open up and share so much of themselves with a larger audience. It's been a pleasant surprise because I truly believe uh, telling our stories can save us. But guests like Marianne Cannon and Nora Bet Yusuf Lacey opening up about marriages that didn't work or Adit talking about grief and losing her dad and sister in such a profound way. These are things that we don't talk about enough in our culture because we're told to keep to ourselves and not let people into our quote unquote business. So I've been pleasantly surprised when guests have given us so much of themselves. And I think whether or not they've realized it, sharing those pieces of their lives has meant something to us and all of our listeners too. So that actually reminds me of, you know, we mentioned editing a lot in that previous question and it happens a lot. There's some mishaps that happen. So a question that I have for everybody in this group, host, uh, marketing team, social media team, uh, what are some of the maybe funnier mishaps that have happened, whether it's with scheduling an interview, whether it came down to sit down and do the interview, or whether it was just posting social media on a weekly or daily basis? For me, the audio file got corrupt, and I had to basically scrap the interview. Thankfully, I, I had a backup, but sometimes I my backup didn't work very well just because the person wasn't speaking right into the mic or I wasn't speaking loud enough. And there have been several rounds of edits on different interviews. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun to do this work. And then at the same time, it is work. And uh, I'm getting more and more excited about adding uh, more equipment. So I actually have two mics now and uh, I've got a Zoom recorder, so uh, I'm trying to eliminate any technical difficulties by doing more and more redundancy. There have been a few times um, that, you know, I was either late on posting to social media or I totally forgot. There was this one time I was stuck in the airport and it was a Monday night. Uh, my computer was dead and here I am on my iPhone just trying to get the graphic made and get all the descriptions and everything ready and scheduled so by the time I land, um, you know, that's when the episode would go live. So stuff like that always happens, but that was my experience. As I said earlier, um, this creating the social media content has given me a creative outlet. But at the same time, sometimes it does feel kind of like a chore. And um, as much as I try to sit, set a schedule and be on time, uh, of course, life gets ahead of me and I lose track of time. So, of course, sometimes I'm online at like 1 a.m. and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I forgot to post. So there I am posting at 1 a.m. Pacific time. But luckily, we have listeners all over the world. So it, it, it ends up being OK. Uh, one time in particular, this is one of the the earlier episodes that I did. So it fell in the first 50 episodes. I won't say who it was with, but the the interview was supposed to take place at the Skokie Public Library, uh, of which I do not have a membership to because I do not live in Skokie. 
Uh, so the interesting thing was, in order to get a card if you are from out of town, um, it costs a ton of money. I forgot how much it was. And all, on this particular day, all of the rooms were booked, all the little study rooms that I could go and do a interview in. Uh, so long story short, we found a plan B, but uh, everything was so rushed at that point. Uh, not necessarily rushed, but we were on a tighter time schedule. So I was just worried about getting everything hooked up, making sure the mic was in the laptop, making sure the settings were switched. And at some point, uh, I had hit the mute button on my microphone and didn't even realize it because I was in robot mode at that point. I was just making sure everything was working. And luckily, I had my phone out as a backup recorder uh, because the first, I want to say, maybe 12 minutes of that talk uh, was all muted on my microphone. And that would have been embarrassing if that did not completely go through. So uh, some key advice, really, to anybody who's trying to podcast, uh, make sure you always have a backup audio source because you never know when the primary fails. Yes, always have a backup audio. <laughs> I think there's nothing more um, difficult to, to uh, in terms of area than the Middle East to record an episode because there's always a generator somewhere that you will hear or the, the government decides to just cut the power and just leave you like this. Um, I had two incidents. Um, the first one was in Syria where we had uh, where we struggled with the power and then I only could use the back backup audio from my phone. And the second incident, also very funny. I thought I was so prepared in Iraq and we we didn't uh, interview the round table in a normal apartment. We went to the skyscrapers, sky, uh, like the luxurious type of houses. Thank you, Susie, for giving us your apartment. And all the rich people are living there and there's no noise usually. And then we started recording. And in the middle of the interview, the neighbor decides to put on his washing machine and we heard it. So you're never really in control of your environment. I think I definitely agree with the rest of the co-hosts. Having a backup is uh, the number one thing. Um, I can tell you stories of three separate occasions that I have gone in confident we're going to do this. We're going to record three awesome guests that I had. Um, and then just the audio was very poor. Either there was background noise that I couldn't control. One in particular, I was visiting in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, the there was a, I mean, it's Jerusalem. So the hub of all uh, major religions is there. And then in the background is the, um, the mosque. Uh, so that that was in the background as well. So I couldn't get cut that out. And there's just certain things that aren't in your control that you just have to say, unfortunately, we have to reschedule or do this another time um, because the audio isn't good. In every episode, you hear us as co-hosts ask our guests this final question. And now I'd like to ask it to our, our co-hosts. If there's one thing you could say to all Assyrians, what would you say to them? One thing I would like to tell all my fellow Assyrians out there is to not lose your language. Um, if you don't know Assyrian, try to find someone that can teach you because it's pretty much the only thing tying all of us together. Most importantly, I think one thing that I could say to all Assyrians is find ways to relate to one another instead of finding differences. Um, of course, the differences make us individuals, but as an Assyrian community, it's more important to find those similarities 
We have great food. We have great language. We have great qualities. We come from a very, very strong ancestral background, and I think we need to really focus on those things rather than some of the differences that we come across these days. Yes, um, the Assyrian community worldwide is only as great as we make it to be. It needs every one of us to contribute to its collective betterment. If we don't have, or we don't have one single narrative and our greatest strength is our multifacetedness all while being Assyrian. We need our artists to create art that we resonate with or challenges us. We need our linguists to produce more resources that make learning our language easy and accessible. We need our connectors to utilize that strength to create network opportunities for Assyrians to connect. We need our writers to write narratives that include our voices. We need those with finance backgrounds, real estate backgrounds to brainstorm and consult with Assyrian orgs on how we can fund physical spaces for Assyrians to gather outside of religious institutions. We need parents to have a vested interest in passing on our culture to our children. So if you don't see a group or an org that speaks to your mission, then create one. And you get the point. Every single one of us has a role and we can be better as a whole when we invest our talents and our strengths back into our community. To uh, our worldwide Assyrian podcast audience, uh, keep telling your stories, uh, keep traditions alive. Uh, also, don't be afraid of some changes. That's what keeps us evolving. Uh, let's make an impact on the 21st century as we did in all of the centuries that preceded it. I wish you all good health and happiness. Yeah, uh, try to have a exposure to a variety of Assyrians in your life, especially uplifting and inspiring people. Because in our community, it can happen that you see a lot of negative people, people who try to divide us and use you for their own agenda. And then because of the disappointment and the hurt, we tend to doom our whole nation. So dealing with different people will always bring you back to a positive and product productive spot. In German, we say, Manchmal sieht man den Wald vor Leuter Bäumen nicht, which translates into English, sometimes you are not able to see the forest for the trees. So don't focus on the trees. The forest is pretty awesome. I believe that every single Assyrian out there has something to offer, whether it's a skill, a talent, a trait, their subject matter experts, or is in a professional capacity of prominence to help early professionals. But I implore you, Help the community with what you can offer. Let's end the meaningless bickering and let's continue building community. If there's one thing I could say, it would be there is no one way to be an Assyrian. Don't let anyone apply a purity test and tell you how Assyrian you are and how you should be. You are as Assyrian as anyone else because the same blood runs through your veins and that blood and that DNA that you share tells a very rich story. So revel in that richness and meet it wherever you are. Um, and like John said, uh, keep telling your stories because that will help us build a more diverse and complex narrative of our people. And I think we need it now more than ever. I wanted to say, you know, thank you all for being a part of the Assyrian podcast, whether you're a host or a social media person or a sponsor or a listener. Um, you all are you are all a part of it. It isn't really run by one person. It's a community effort. It's crowdsourced. 
movement, which is very exciting. You know, the one thing I have to say, everyone, is find those who are least served and see what it would look like to be a blessing on their life um, and continue to, to think big, be open-minded about that. Look into alternative wisdom. Thank you all. That was amazing. Um, for me personally, um, there's a couple of things that I think are really important that all Assyrians should do is to learn and speak the language, learn our Assyrian history, visit the homeland and to get involved. And I think all of the other co-hosts had very similar things to say about that as well. And one thing that stood out to me the most was um, uh, unity or um, finding strengths in one another to benefit the community. So thank you all. And I am gonna throw in one last surprise question, which is this, what do you want the next 100 episodes to be like? Um, I think what you had spoken to earlier is getting the mic in front of a lot of people that aren't our traditional hosts. I envision uh, even better quality than we have so far and even more exciting guests all around the world, which requires that we have more co-hosts in different parts of the world. So guys, please apply. Steve, you mentioned crowdsourcing. Jesse, you just mentioned getting more hosts from around the world, and I'm all on board for that for the next 100 episodes. Uh, I think we can come together and come up with some very creative ideas uh, with our direction for the next year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 100 episodes. More co-hosts and uh, uh, even better, uh, uh, better content. Definitely agree with everybody else. More co-hosts, more guests reaching out to um, more Assyrians all over the world. I'm going to echo what everyone else said. I want to hear more diverse stories, people who are doing really awesome things out there because I know they are out there. I'd actually like to hear from past people that have been interviewed, the entrepreneurs, and see where they are and um, updates on what they're doing now if they're no longer doing what they did when we interviewed them a year or two ago. I think that would be interesting. I would love to see, thanks Stephen for that. Um, I would love to see the mindset that's been created over the first 100 episodes that, uh, that it becomes more solidified and expansive so that 100 episodes from now, a lot of the stories we've heard, people we've interacted with, it's, it's not a new thing, it's a part of being a Syrian that it is this diverse, expansive, um, intelligent perspective and helpful perspective in the world that's changing things. And so, yeah, it'd be great if 100 episodes from now, that's no longer like a new thing. It's just, it is who we are. I do believe that the Assyrian podcast will continue to bring us amazing stories from all over the world. But one thing that I would really, really love to see is our listeners interacting with us as well. Uh, please give us ideas. Please share with us your thoughts. Please interact on the social media accounts. This is for everybody um, and would love to see what you all think. One other thing I wanted to add is something I'd like to see within the next 100 episodes is at least some of our interviews in our language. I think that would be a great addition and it's something that we've talked about I think we have some recordings in place, but it would be great to um, have those out. 
Lastly, we want to encourage everyone to stay home and take COVID-19 seriously. There's still a lot of Assyrians that are visiting people because it's like the nature of our our culture. So please take it seriously, protect your loved ones and stay at home. We did too. This is all online. Thanks for tuning in. Real quick, I have a favor to ask before we close out. We appreciate all of the feedback we've received on the podcast thus far. If you could take a minute after this to rate and review us wherever you listen to us, we'd greatly appreciate it. We love reading what you have to say. Thanks again and see you next week.